Welcome to the Jolf Man podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen and engage. I'm Neil Plummer and I am the Jolf Man, a name I seem to have picked up from children and teachers in primary schools. It's stuck and seems to fit well. I'm the host of this podcast and will be regularly looking to share thoughts and ideas about golf and in particular children and families' first experiences. Jolf's purpose is to provide accessible opportunities for children and their families in schools, the local community and at golf clubs to play golf independently, enjoy playing together and learn as they play. I hope you enjoy the podcast and please get, get in touch with your comments, feedback, thoughts and ideas. Mark Day, can you hear me? I can indeed. That sounded like Adele then. <laughs> um, thank you for taking the time to come onto my podcast. Um, as I as I said previously, I've always considered you to be a sort of ponderer, a thinker, a reviewer, a reflector, and so I thought, let's chat. Let's dive into that. Yeah, cool. So we we um, before before we maybe go into where we met, who, people might not know who are you. You introduce yourself. What what have you got going on? Um, Mark Day, PGA professional from. I'm based at Mill Green Golf Club in Hertfordshire, and I have been a PGA member since 1993. So coming up for my fourth decade. Yeah, I know. Um. I am also the lead coach for the National Girls, England Golf National Girls, uh, which is like a dream job. Um, Absolutely awesome. And I do a lot of work with junior golf in Hertfordshire. So I coordinate their coaching program, um, which is from kind of under eights to uh, through to under 18s. And I deliver uh, kind of over 14s um, for Hertfordshire as well. So a lot of my work done in juniors. And as we've had discussions when we we met in 2012, um, I'd started off the uh, Futures Tour uh, initially um, because I, I had a, a massive thing about, um, I thought the age group under 12s were massively overcoached and underplayed. And so I didn't really have an understanding of what, you know, what, what they were learning and why they were learning it. And so I created with a a good friend of mine, Mark Knight, so Night and Day Productions. Um, We um, created the Futures Tour and um, that still goes, that's still going today. So although I I handed that over to Hertfordshire and and they kind of run that now, um, it's still an event that's going strong. And I think the key, the key thing about this and something that I was passionate about was that it was a development tour. Um, it wasn't necessarily a, a competitive tour, which in itself, if you wanted to go down that road, um, there's some interesting stories there and experiences there. But um, definitely one of my uh, uh, better achievements in my career, um, uh, creating those opportunities that led in itself to another um, like almost like a sister tour called the I tour, which then was for we noticed that players coming out of the Futures Tour at 11 years old. Um, still weren't quite big enough, um, good enough to go into playing junior opens or club competitions. So then we then created the I Tour, which was um, over nine holes. So the Futures Tours played around par three golf courses in Hertfordshire. We're quite blessed with facilities in Hertfordshire. Um, and then the I Tour shifts into playing fuller golf courses. So nine holes, par threes, par four, par, par fours, par fives, 
but on a much smaller scale. So there's, they're just we're just scaling up the golf course really until hopefully they join a golf club and start to play in events, get themselves a handicap and become um, a bigger part of golf, the world of golf. I think the second time we met was at um, the PGA where it was the meeting of the minds, wasn't it? I think whereby you presented that Hertfordshire playing framework to the group. Um, and, and that was an inspiring, inspiring between you and Mark. Uh, it wasn't Mark, Mark Knight. Mark yeah. Knight. Yeah. Between you and Mark, because it was, I think one of the things that struck me was also the synergy between probably the people within the organisation. I think as, as anybody maybe involved in golf possibly knows that, you know, unions, associations and clubs and all these organisations don't always start from the same page whereas Hertfordshire and that particular project everybody seemed to be on the same page for the best interests of the participants yeah definitely it's it's interesting because actually it didn't quite start out like that um where it came from originally if I go through the full story is I I became appointed the um county coaching coordinator um by by uh, more chance than anything else um and one of the first things I had to do was um, deliver what was called a uh, talent day. And the purpose Car- of that talent Ca- day... County Academy Programme, wasn't it? Was it County Academy Programme? Yeah, yeah, the County Academy Programme. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. it, perfect. So I was, I was running the, the... I was kind of leading that, if you like, uh, coordinating that. And, and yeah, we had, to, we had to find people to populate the academies with, uh, young golfers to populate. So we, we hosted a talent day and we was, were encouraged to host a talent day. And I was like, OK, great, we'll do that. And we hosted this talent day and we had like 60, 70 juniors turn up, which was awesome. And I think we had about 40 places. And then it dawned on me after the talent day, I was really excited. I was like, now I'm going to communicate this. And I've got two, two groups of people I'm going to communicate this with. I'm going to communicate with some players to say, you've been selected for the academy. And then I've got another group of players to say, you haven't been selected for the academy. And one thing that struck me, the fact that it was called a talent day, is so I'm almost implicitly saying that you're not talented enough to get in the programme. And actually, the only reason we didn't select you was because you haven't got enough money to fund everybody. And we can never dictate or, or you know, never dictate is the wrong word, but we can never we can never predict really who's got talent at that age uh, and, and who's going to go forward. And and really for me, it was in that moment I said, we are never, ever going to have a talent day ever again, or certainly not in, in my time. Um, but what we can do is we can have allocation days. And what we can do based on the funding that, that we um, have available to us, we can provide opportunities for every junior golfer in the county to play golf. And that starts with playing the game. And so the Futures Tour and the iTour really, and, and the academy programme, and the philosophy that we came up with and worked with is right, all of our coaching should underpin the playing experiences of the golfer. So the very first thing we need to do is make sure that the junior golfer is having playing experiences. So that's where the Futures Tour and the iTour was born out. And the reason why I say it wasn't quite all together at the start was because I proposed that as a, as a suggestion. And it was to, I was told that it was not my remit, that is not what I should be doing, and that I should be focused on the coaching element. And I didn't, I didn't, I kind of got the sense that maybe that wasn't the right thing to argue at that time. So I said, okay, no problem. And I shared the shared the concept and thoughts with Mark Knight. And he said, well, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it ourselves. 
but that's what we did. We did it. <laughs> and then because it became a success quite quickly um, and, and everyone could see the benefit of that, we then just handed it back over to Hartshire. So very early on, we had everyone bought in. And very early on, everyone was actually, this is the way forward. Um, but it didn't initially start out like that. Um, but you're right. When we did that presentation, everyone was on board and, and the, the structure and the, the, the program in place for, you know, starting out to under 18 performance um, has kind of constantly evolved since. So that was that was 2012, I remember. Yeah. I think it was September 2012, that presentation. So as it, and I know we get, we're going off in a different direction, which is part of the point of these conversations. Um, has it has it borne fruits? Are are more people members of are more children members of golf clubs in Hertfordshire? Are more people involved in county academy programs? Are more people are better players come through? I mean, what's the result of what is it eight nine years worth of work? Um, well, I guess it's a bit damned lies and statistics, isn't it? When you we start talking about numbers, um, yeah. what I what you know we've had, you know, there's there's in the last two years, if we if we go where many would like to go, is um, we've had four players, uh, four junior boys in the national squad in the last two years um, that all played on the Futures Tour six, seven years ago. Um, we have, in our academy programme, we have over 100 juniors, and we've had that consistently, which is Every year. excellent. Um, girls and boys? Girls and boys, yeah. Yeah, so it's a mix. They're all mi they're mixed events, and the ratio is often around 70 30, um, 70 percent boys, 30 percent girls. Um, we've definitely on the girls' side of things, I think we're a much stronger county. So we have a breaking 100 squad, a breaking 90 squad, and we have a development squad, and then we've got a performance squad. So there's four girls' squads that really take any young golfer. And again, all based on playing experiences. They all have experiences either on the Futures Tour, the I Tour, or a club level, and then going to playing in county events and national events. Um, so the, I would say the girls has, has been one of the, the um, biggest successes as far as participation is concerned. Um, but one of the biggest things that, again, I, d I don't think is quantifiable, what I do know for sure is that over the last 10 years, because we started this in 2010, is we have provided um, some fam fabulous family experiences. And I know memories that will last a lifetime. So I, I, I know there's there's boys and girls that, not, that are probably 17, 18, 19 years old now. Golf is not a big part of their life. But mum and dad still talk to me about that time at the golf club when they played on the Futures Tour. And I'm pretty confident that those memories will stick with those players. And so once they've gone through university and they come out and they start work and they start their own family, that that, that will be a part of their life forever going forward. Wow. I mean, I think back then, you know, as you know, I was involved in sort of county, county kind of program and, and, the, and, and, and a lot of the politics that was sort of with that and I think you were you were ever the diplomat with that or whatever certainly from the outside looking and always seemed to be the diplomats and it's quite a precarious balance but one thing that comes through with what you just said said there is the pathway is built upon and around play and participation isn't it yeah yeah and, and coaching is coaching is secondary to that yes whereas I think a lot of pathways coaching comes first doesn't it <laughs> 
and you leave the you leave the participation and play down to the individual and the clubs when I think as we all know golf clubs and again this is something I'm exploring at the moment golf clubs are you know junior golf although they'll say it it's not always high up on the list of a lot of priorities for golf clubs is it no no and and that's something that was important to us because again I would have discussions around we'd have a young you know lads more so than the girls um, stand out to mind that were very sporty they played football they'd be 12 years old very played football they played rugby they played cricket and like golf was their fourth you know fourth sport if you like and they were brilliant they hit the ball, golf ball fabulously and and uh, um managers and the so you know part of the selection committee if you like they go we definitely need to get that player on the, the academy program so we're not having that player on the academy program but he missed it brilliantly he could be a fabulous golfer yeah he could but he doesn't play he doesn't play so why don't we spend that funding on somebody who does play and who wants to get yeah. better who just doesn't yeah. happen to be naturally talented but we can contribute to their life in a slightly different way. Yeah, how interesting. And I think another thing that, that the, a question that sort of jumps out to me is, well, well, what is success? And, and, and again, that's a, that's a massive question. I think it's one that, you know, can success be measured? So, you know, like you've just said, uh, England players, people playing in tournaments, but also you then success is also obviously those memories that families have that they can cherish forever, isn't it? So, you know, when you when you're measuring stuff, and again, you know, is it, I don't know if it's right or wrong for me to ask about measuring because you probably can't. You can measure the metrics, but can you measure the sort of the unquantifiable stuff? And also, I know you guys had a real uh community of coaches that were involved as well wasn't that within the program yeah yeah we've consistently had about 15 coaches that are involved in the program which is brilliant yeah. um and that, that yeah. those relationships have evolved and developed and uh, you know it does feel like a real strong community of practice we can share with each other without a sense of being judged or you know without a sense that we're giving away secrets it's just we're, we're all in this together um which is which is good um and much improved from where we started because i think there were lots of nervous conversations when we started out um, but as we've had more conversations and we start to understand each other better then yeah they're definitely feeling half this year we've got a real strong community of coaches so so that that brings me to probably two questions question number one would be if say coaches or clubs or people who are involved in golf wanted to start because i think you know, you're you're a long way down the path, aren't you? You know, it's it's embedded, it's strong. If they wanted to start, what would be your advice about getting started? Whether that be at club level or you know a number of club levels or county level, that's my first question. And then my other question, which we'll come back to, would be what how what what comes beforehand? So that's more pertinent probably to my work and what we're trying to do with the with the podcast around those very first experience. So what would happen before? the futures tour you know like with schools and what what do you think that needs to look like that's two two quite big questions i'm aware but i'm interested to hear your thoughts okay so the the starting one just ask that one again and and what am i so if club if clubs or counties or coaches were involved in such a such a project like yours and they wanted to get started with putting participation and play first before coaching programs where would they get started? What would they do? I think they've got a. Yeah, I think it's a difficult one because I, I feel like then there's a right way of doing it, and I'm not sure that's the right thing to be sharing. 
I feel like, you know, the way that we've done it was the right way for us. Um, if I was looking at another county, then I might actually approach it in a different way. But I guess understanding my purpose, understanding what I'm trying to achieve is important. And that maybe links back to your measuring. So I, I just felt that it was important for us that the coaching underpinned the playing experiences. And that under 12s were overcoached and underplayed. They would go regularly to um, coaching, group coaching normally, um, that would be in a practice environment. And there wasn't a lot of experience of play. And I'm not even talking about play like gamification in lessons is one thing, but playing golf yep. is something different. And um, gamification is a way of um, learn, a great way of learning and having experiences, um, but they can often be far from playing golf. And Yeah, and I've differentiated that between on-course play and off-course play. And I think we, we need to make sure that there's a healthy balance and probably tip towards on-course play rather than, you know, and we've been guilty of the amount of off-course play, you know, enjoyable experiences, developing skills, yeah. love, community, all that sort of stuff, but not enough on-course yeah. play. And I see it's interesting because one thing that, um, you know, we are, the population of golf is it does feel like, and the numbers would suggest that there's a decline in, in junior golf participants, uh, for many different reasons. But actually, I see a lot on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and here through the networks how much wonderful work is going on at driving ranges and how much wonderful work is um, going on at golf clubs with the under-12 um, audience. And the thing that strikes me is that, or the question I'm asking myself is, is there a gap between what happens at those driving ranges and in those golf lessons? And is, is, is it just golf is being used as a way of physical activity and, and doing what looks like golf, but actually there's no transition into becoming a golfer. And I, I'm almost hesitant to use that phrase, becoming a golfer, because I think too many people wait to become a golfer. And what does that look like? And people can have golf lessons. I've had adults and, and you can almost get a sense of like, they'll take a beginner's course to do it. And oh, they're waiting to become a goal. They're waiting to be good enough to get on the golf course. And I'm like, well, you can go on a golf course tomorrow if you want to. I'll take you out there now if you want to. We can have experiences on the golf course. And I, you know, as long as it's safe, that you'll be a golfer. You'll be a golfer. You are a golfer. <laughs> um, but I just don't see yeah. it because they're not on the golf course. They're not having experiences on the golf course. So I, th I think that would be a big part of it for me is, and again, I think about how I grew up and I just played, I just played the game. I joined a golf club and played the game. I did have lessons when I was really young, but it was more my dad taking me to the golf club uh, when I was like seven or eight, uh, keep me busy at the weekend. And um, I think he just paid for some golf lessons with the assistant there just to kind of occupy some of my time whilst I was waiting for him <laughs> to come around. And I'd mess about in the driving range. I'd mess about in the putting green. I'd wait for him to come in and they'd buy me a sandwich. They'd make a fuss of me. I'd watch him play a bit of snooker and then they'd take me home and I've had a wonderful day. Um... Similar story. <laughs> yeah. Very similar. But, but, it, but it comes back to what you said earlier on, doesn't it? So if, if, as, a, if as an industry, and again, this is, this is another sort of topic that I want to explore at some point as I go through the podcast. As an industry, like you say, there's pockets of some really good practice. We could name a dozen you know, guys and girls who do a really, really good job of getting children in, communities, 
giving them a sense of belonging to stuff. But is there too much off-course play? And is there too much coaching in an off-course environment and not enough, you know, that balance of on-course, if you like, free play where children and, and, and families are able to just fall in love with playing golf? And it's those definitions I think need being clear. You know, and I, I think as we shared the other day, I'm trying to work on something that will make those definitions clear. But it's really interesting for you to say that because if you go back to your projects, play first, learn later, and then maybe we're saying that maybe it's an industry. And, I, I, you know, anybody who does listen, I'd love to challenge people or for people to come back and challenge that idea that is the industry pointing towards too much off-course play, off-course experiences, stroke coach? Yeah. I completely agree. And and it almost becomes uh, just a club in itself. Yeah, yeah, which is strong. Yeah. You know, for, for, as, as parents, as, as I'm sure you know, as parents, you go, yeah, we like that. We like the feel of that community. There is nothing wrong with it. But if the measure of success is that we've created golfers, children that can play independently on the golf course, then, and, and we've taken this review as a business, we've sort of failed that because... We haven't created golfers that can independently play on the golf course. Yeah. Fascinating. That's really fascinating. So so I suppose you, you've answered the second question, haven't you, about if it's about first experiences in children and families. I mean, again, it's a little bit of an echo chamber, isn't it? Because I've been banging that drum all the while and I don't want it to be like that. But it is about saying, let's get you safely and effectively and quickly onto the golf course and play. Yeah, if you want to play golf, <laughs> if that's if that's the goal, um, if that's the goal. So I suppose it loops back to the question we asked in the middle. Well, what is success for that individual? Because if that's success for that individual is off course play, regular participation once a week, you know, ten to eleven on Saturday morning, feeling part of a group, um, be you know, making new friends, then actually the off course stuff does tick a box. It, yeah, definitely. Um, but it won't necessarily help them become golfers. And I think there's, there's that balance, isn't no. there? Um, between, yeah, what yeah. are you trying to achieve? And I think you look at you look at young golfers and you watch young golfers and, and you think, well, actually, a lot of them don't get a choice of the environment that they're, they're a part of. And that's not to say the environment's bad, but yeah. an off-course environment isn't a golf course environment. And so you're, you're potentially teaching yeah. golf skills that they've got no idea what to do and it gets to a point where potentially it's like 10 11 years i don't know when it is um what the age might be but it'll be do you know what i'm almost like a bit too old for this golf now because i'm turning up at the driving range or because yeah. i'm turning it I've, I've done this i've done i've been coming to this class now for six years and um, 10 o'clock every saturday yeah. for an hour i've loved it really enjoyed it but i want to go and play football now or i want to go and do something else now um, as opposed to yeah. right, when can I get on the golf course? When can I go and play my first nine holes, and, and helping them become yeah. independent golfers? So, so as parents and as coaches and as an industry, then we probably don't want to get to the point where they can ask. We provide it before they ask. Here's the golf course. Here it is. Experience it. You've still got your ten o'clock on a Saturday morning if you so, but you've got this as well. And that that really is your underpinning path forwards over the course of the next years to, to play golf and again I, I never want to necessarily impose it but I suppose if we're in it and you know I know the power of golf that it's you know such a wonderful outdoors fresh air with other people being on your own being with others all these benefits that it has 
So before children get to the point where they drop out or they question or they get bored or whatever it is, here's the golf course, let's go and play. Yeah, and I think one thing that I'm really kind of aware of at the moment in my own coaching is and where do I want my own coaching to go I find my best coaching occurs and I'm a, I'm a coach that's really my, my at my most powerful when I'm helping the student answer their own questions so they're coming up with the question and then they're on a quest to find solutions to that question and I'm there to support them on that journey and I just think the golf course is an amazing environment that provides a lot of opportunity to ask lots of questions. And I'm there then to help them make sense of what's occurring and how they can develop skills within golf and out with golf that they can transfer into other arenas and environments um, that, that hopefully will go on to help them be as successful as they want to be. So get inspiring those questions and saying, okay, I, I want, I want them to ask a question that they want to find the answer to. And I'm there to support them on that journey. I love that. I love that. I, I, I feel like anything else we had today would ruin the moment. <laughs> so I think, because I think the problem with the, the coaching element inside of things, because I'm just about to ruin the moment, um, is that actually <laughs> they turn up and it's almost like, right, what are we going to do today? And that's that again, far too many lessons turn up like that. Right. What, what are we going to do to, I don't know, you put the lesson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so whether you are a coach listening or whether you're an adult who plays golf, wants to play golf, whether you're a parent, I think that has, there's some really interesting points there that, yeah, I'd probably like to leave it there because that is, that is gold. What you just said in those last couple of minutes, I think is gold. And that, again, the reason for me wanting to do this is to search that stuff out and hear it and then share it. And then, you know, I'm sure we can get back on and come back to probably all the notes and the, the initial things we're going to talk about. in the first Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I can just, if just, I guess to, to help with that though, is also to just a little understanding and we can finish on this one if you want, is that I very much see that um, the student is the expert of their own experience. And therefore, part of my job, and, and I'd advise any parent or any other coach, is to kind of understand that the student is the, ex the expert. They are the expert of their own experience. So part of our role is to try and help them understand what's going on better or try and understand what their experience is so that we can act accordingly or however we feel like is the appropriate way to act, whichever that is. Lovely. Really nice. So I'm um, sure we, we will do this again. I know we'll do this again. Um, my phone's going to the matter. <laughs> the, the nature of recording at home. Um, so if people wanted to find you out and um, connect with you, Mark, um, Twitter and Instagram, um, Mark Day. I think my Instagram is Mark Day underscore golf, and my Twitter is just Mark Day Golf. Okay. Okay. Um, and you coach at Milgreen Mill Golf Club in Hertfordshire. Okay. Okay. I'll add all of your social media um, handles onto this. But Mark, it's been amazing. I'm loving that. I'm going to listen to that again and again and again. All right. So, cheers, mate. Thanks, thanks for the invite. Good luck. Cheers, Mark.